Welcome to Prepare to Win Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver, here with Dane Lee. Today we're going to get into some uh, Q&A questions that came in that we, uh, we're going to answer here. Um, yeah, I kind of want to jump right into it. So we'll go ahead and uh, we'll start with some of them that you got in. Okay. What do you do to help clients who are hard gainers? For hard gainers, um, so every, okay, I'm a hard gainer, whether people think it or not. I know everyone looks at me now like, holy shit, like 240 pounds all right now. I'm like back down to 225. Mm. Um, you know, but I've always been a hard gainer my, my entire life. Like it took a while. I graduated high school at like 155 or something. Um, I was always athletically built, but like I could eat and eat yeah. and eat, you know? So you know, some of the things that you see, like, yes, I do have a good metabolism. I have decent genetics on that, but I'm not like genetically gifted in any way at all. Uh, you can look at my family and see that. Um, hold on. I put my phone on silent. It keeps ringing. Um, but for hard gainers, you know, everyone... Everyone, you know, they'll think they're a hard gainer, but then they won't track their food. Mm -hmm. Like you might think you're a hard gainer, but one day you're eating 2000 calories, the next you're eating 4,000, the next you're eating 1500 and you're not at, you don't actually know where you're even at. Mm -hmm. So the best thing is to find maintenance first. It's fine maintenance. And then from there, you know, we slowly try to find what's going to start to help it. We might jump about uh, 300, 400 calories. That way we're able to put on mass hopefully um without gaining too much fat with it um but if we go up three four hundred calories and we're, we're not budging enough you know you might need to take that a little bit higher but that's kind of how you play the game and let's say you jump 400 calories and um over the next two months three months you put on two or three pounds okay you know something is working then right mm-hmm. um and let's say then you find that you're eating the same amount and you've been the same weight now for a month. Okay. That's probably a roundabout maintenance, you know, so okay. up it again, you know, and I think it needs to go in steps like, um, rather than doing like this, I'm going to add a thousand calories to my diet. Yeah. I think you need to find that maintenance point and, and just stair step it. Mm-hmm. You're here for a minute. You step up, you step up, you step up. Um, someone I did that with was Haley in the club. Like I remember we started the food. I, I might have quick notes on her even. Um, but I remember I added probably about a thousand calories to her diet over time. Um, it wasn't something that we just jumped, uh, right away. I don't, I'm trying to see if I had quick notes here. I'm not sure if they're in here. might take me too long to find anyway. Um, but I know we started, you know, at a baseline, saw kind of what was going on Mm -hmm. and then we kind of stepped it up and, you know, I think she pushed up to eating about 400 carbs a day. Um, you know, I know her fats were significant too, uh, seventies, eighties, maybe, you know, she was, she was eating, uh, you know, close to 3000 calories a day. Mm -hmm. She was, she was up there pretty high for a a girl that started, uh, don't quote me on it. I think she was like in the high one teens or low one twenties. And she ended up getting up to like in the one forties. Okay. So, um, 
you know, high 130s, low 140 range. So it's possible. That's a hard gainer, came from distance running, all that stuff. Yep. Um, so, it, you know, it's possible. You just need to also put it on the right way. Like, um, you know, if you look at her pictures and stuff, like she didn't just stack on fat. She was building muscle that entire time. Oh, yeah. And that's somewhat, if you see her now, like she does look a little bit more, um, have more shape to her. You know, shoulders mm-hmm. have grown a little bit. You know, now it's like I even told her um, like a month ago, like you could see her triceps starting to kind of pop out a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and shoulders developing, things like that. And um, the big thing was like the quads. If you look at like uh, a lot of the females we've we've worked with, done nutrition, all that stuff, it's like yeah. you just see their, their leg muscles start to develop because, you know, a lot of them um, just – it just is what it is for a lot of females. It takes longer to put on that upper body mass, but their legs grow really quick. You know, I know you said you weren't able to find the notes right away, but just rough estimate. How long did you work with her before you, I mean, even up um, to this point, it was, what was that process. I mean, it was a process of like six, seven months of stepping up foods. Cause I think that's important. Um, a lot of people will yeah. be like, Oh, I'm going to go through a bulk and they do like three weeks of like just, you know, yeah. eat whatever you want, really high calorie and understanding, no. like you said, like this has got to be a yeah. long-term process. When, when you do that, a lot of times all you're doing is one stacking on water mm-hmm. um, or just putting on too much fat. Like you jump your calories by a thousand right away. Like you're just, you're going to stack on fat. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it. Um, your body needs time to develop because it, it works. I don't, I don't know why this is such a hard concept for people to understand, but this is how it works. <laughs> you know, like you, yes, you can increase your, your caloric intake by a thousand and get there and be leaner at that point, but you need to gain the muscle at a pace as, as at a good pace with limiting the body fat gain during that time. So if you, Seems straightforward. If you limit calories enough to gain and to build and to gain weight, yes, some fat weight will come with that, but there's ratios to it and hopefully it's, you know, Mm -hmm. more muscle. So if you stick in that, let's say three, 400, 500, maybe calorie range, um, to increase your muscle mass later, you're going to burn more just by sitting around, right? You're going to burn more when you work out, when you're active, you know? So then the more muscle mass you build, the more you can burn. So that increases output. So now we need to increase input Mm -hmm. and that's the game you play. Yeah. So yes, you could get to a thousand calories extra. It's possible, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's not going to happen in, uh, it's not going to happen in three weeks. I mean, I remember from personal experience when you started working with me a couple of years ago, and you did the same thing where it's like, hey, you just need to learn how to track. Mm-hmm. So you had me figuring out like, what is my current intake? And then you started working with me on getting maintenance. It's like, you're really inconsistent. You have mm-hmm. these large meals that you're doing at the end of the day. And then you started saying, all right, here are the numbers that I want you to try to hit. And I thought I was eating a lot. And you're like, no, this is your protein intake. Cause I had given you like my training schedule yeah. for gymnastics and strength and whatnot. And you're like, yeah, you're way under eating for what this is. And it became a process of just getting used to like the basic numbers. And mm-hmm. then once you had an idea, you started bringing it up. And I mean, I think the carbs were around like 440 
mm-hmm. by the time we were done. Um, protein, I think, was like 195, and fat was up there like around 100. Like it was a lot of food. Yeah. But I wasn't gaining weight until we started hitting some of that those numbers. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you talk about a hard gainer, like the same kind of thing, like high metabolism, but like a really high output just based on how yeah. much I was doing. Like you're saying, like you're constantly active, you have a high metabolism. Mm-hmm. To finally see that weight increase the way that you knew it should, like it took some work. Oh, yeah. It was like yeah. months of just figuring shit out. Yeah, yeah. And it has to be consistent, you know, all the time. A lot of people, um, especially on the weight loss side, I'll get this all the time, where people want to lean out or lose weight or whatever. And um, they'll go through like three, four weeks and some water will come off, some mm-hmm. some drop will happen. But then after that, like it, it takes time. And what will happen is like, you know, they'll be on for one week on point. The next week it's like, uh, I tracked good for five days. And then, you know what, I caved in, I ate a pizza, um, you know, had some drinks and all this. So now like, their weights up a pound or two, whatever. And mm-hmm. sometimes just water retention, but like you go through enough of those where you're just going off track every other week, then yeah, yeah. you're only getting four days, five days out of that week that are tracked. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not going to lose. Like that's not, right. you, know, you got to be on point the entire time. Um, you know, from my own standpoint, like right now, you know, like there's a lot going on. <clears throat> I'll tell you now, like I don't have my diet hundred percent dialed in because there's times that like, you know, last night we had to run, we, I was working out. I got through like five sets of bench and we had to run somewhere. I had to eat a snack basically and didn't get to eat mm. for like two and a half hours later. Mm. You know, now if I was competing and stuff, I'd, yes, I'd be more worried about it at that point. But right now it's like, I know I'm not competing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, there's, there's no like strict goal. So if I'm a little off here, there, whatever, Give you know, some leniency. yeah, nice. Made sure like I went home and got a lot in, but still it's like, you know, if I miss a day of working out right now, it's just kind of the same thing. But if you're competing or you have a set goal, you need to stick to it. That's that simple. So, um, what's the next question? Number two, do you have any hot takes? Oh, the hot takes. I didn't even know what this was. I, like, yeah. So these are the things that make me feel old. Yeah. But also just remind me that I have never been very informed on like what's popular and what's going on yeah. at any time. This is just confirmation of me being a nerd. So I had to go ask what a hot take was and they mm. were saying something that goes against the norm of opinions. And yeah. it's like, I, I have none. I have none. Not yeah. like I agree with everyone out there and things. I just don't know what people are saying. Yeah, I just kind of stick in my own lane, pay attention well, to what I want to pay attention to. And one of those it. things is like, um, you know, I kind of like I mentioned, you might see someone that has this opinion. It might be like two or three people and you're like, oh, that's the opinion, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm going to go against that. But really, then you find out like if you took a real poll that your opinions actually what is the norm, you know, and those right. people are the ones that are going against it. So, um you know, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm just not a sheep person. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't follow the crowd. I've never been a follower in my entire life. Um, I've never really been someone that like, maybe that's, you know, I, people first, you know, thing is he's bold. He'll tell you straight mm-hmm. up, you know, my clients appreciate it, <laughs> you know? Um, but I just never, you know, I don't know. 
just going to speak my opinion. Yes, you have to like be politically correct sometimes and watch what you say in certain situations. I get mm-hmm. that. Everyone's got to do it. Um, I do bite my tongue in certain situations, you know, because there's, I, I just don't have time to argue with people. I don't have time to deal with people's bullshit and like the people that are like Facebook warriors or whatever. Yeah. So I don't like ever post anything. I'd like never post to Facebook anymore or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep a lot of stuff more internalized or like I'll talk to just amongst people. Um, Cause I, you know, I see no, like you'll see people online that get in like literally every societal situation that ever comes up any news headline. And this is kind of the problem with the world right now. It's like, I get it. Everyone has an opinion, but does your opinion need really need to go on Instagram every time that something comes up on every single topic in the world? Mm-hmm. Probably not, you know, unless you're a journalist, unless you're like a blogger um, or, or, you know what I mean? Like a significant that, public figure. Yeah. That's your thing. A uh, big public figure. Cause sometimes they're almost expected to say something mm-hmm. if it's in their realm, like if it deals with sports, you know, someone in sports might come out and say something. Uh, LeBron James thinks he's like the president or something. So he feels like he has to chime in on <laughs> every world topic. Um, I've lost a lot of respect for that guy in the last year. There's or two. your hot take. Yeah. There we go. Uh, LeBron James, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Um, you know, I've, I've always been a fan like, you know, of him playing the game, mm-hmm. you know, and in some of his ideals, I, you know, I have agreed with, you know, some of the things he said before, but like, Sometimes he's so far off the other end, you know, it's the same with anything like, mm-hmm. you know, um, like Trump was controversial. Sometimes he would say something and you just like palm to face like, oh, my God, he didn't just say that. You know? <laughs> but then other times he said, you know, he says something and you agree with it. So I think like the thing that everyone has to understand is like everyone's got an opinion about everything and they all look at it and see it in a different way. So like you're you might agree on this topic and you might disagree on this topic but doesn't mean you need to hate that person and right. holy oh my god they're a piece of shit fuck you uh you know my side wins you know all that shit like you don't need to do that just because that person had one opinion about one thing that was against mm-hmm. yours you know see i think it would be a good podcast episode to have at some point of like just talking you know as a business owner mm-hmm. about disagreeing Mm-hmm. because how many times have we talked about like you don't burn bridges you don't destroy networks that you create yeah. like if we made a list of the things that you think that i think that dan thinks that any of mm-hmm. the other coaches in here think yeah you're gonna find a number of them like we we don't agree yeah and you can have a conversation hell you can even have an argument about yeah. it that doesn't mean that it turns into a fight yeah about it and that doesn't mean that i'm like well i'm done working here yeah we there's, there's people everyone in this amongst the people at work here mm-hmm. like i think everyone has some kind of difference on some stance whether it's yeah. a political stance whether it's a social stance what whatever like <clears throat> you got people that you know especially with the covid stuff like there's people that are really hardcore like covid advocates like mm-hmm. we should all be masked up we should be doing this everyone vaccine you got others that like no not getting it ever you know it's like but no one in here is like, man, you're a piece of shit. Fuck you. You know, no right. one care. Like it's not, everyone can maturely disagree right. on something, you know? Um, whereas like, you know, a guy, uh, I won't give too much information, but business owner, all that burned a bridge, um, with me. Like, I don't, I'll never send anyone 
to anything, any function that this person has. Um, and if anyone talks to me about them, I have, it's nothing. I don't have positive things to say. Um, because during the COVID time, you know, when my business is shut down Mm -hmm. and my things are getting threatened to be taken away, um, this guy decided to reply back to is literally a podcast that I shared and started ranting about COVID and masks and all this shit. And, you know, I told him what I thought as, you know, my life and here's what I think. Mm -hmm. And I was, and then he like started making backhanded comments to me in plain text. You know what I mean? Yeah. Basically calling me certain things. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, so this is me, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. And he, then he bluntly says it and I'm like, okay, man, well, way to burn a bridge. I just told him like, you're a weak human being that you couldn't keep your, your tongue to yourself. Mm. You know, I was like, but good job. Hey, you get, you're a business owner and now you have no support from this end or anyone I associate with. And guess what? No one goes there. No one associates with that place. No one, um, no one that I associate with associates with that place ever. Mm -hmm. So how many, how much business did you lose in the powerlifting world? Who knows? Right. You know, so anyway, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, Moving on things to prevent injuries for brand new power lifters. So Um, I'll add like two cents in. I would say not, I'm going to phrase it how I want it to be phrased because well, it's my question that came in so I can do that. Um, Not brand new lifter, but brand new to power lifting. So what I see a lot is people will have like a background of going to the gym and they decide they're going to transition over to powerlifting and they think, well, I've done squats or I've done bench or I've Mm -hmm. deadlifted before. So, you know, I don't need to worry about as much injury prevention. And in some ways you're right. Like there are less, uh, less things that could go wrong, but in other cases you're almost more susceptible Mm -hmm. because you've developed some level of strength. Yeah. And then you get working with a coach on technique, and I'm sure that's one of the things that help prevent injuries. But you are able to push weight faster than some like your stabilizers have been built up. Yeah. And you're moving in ways that you're not used to at all. So mm-hmm. you don't, when a, like a brand new lifter comes in and they start powerlifting, they don't have technique. They don't have strength. So a lot of those stabilizers like abductors, adductors, yeah. they have to develop at the same time. Yeah. Where you get someone who has been squatting before and they think they're stronger than they really are. Yeah. They start pushing weight and that's when you start to see a lot of the adductor well, strains. The even the the coordination of everything, stuff like that, like you can get in a compromised position because you're not used to it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So for for example, like I've you know, I didn't squat a lot post meet or whatever, and I went out to squat last weekend here. I felt like I hadn't squatted before. <laughs> like I was all over the place. I was, you know, had no tension in my legs, like is is pretty bad. Um I went and was screwing around with weightlifting and you know, it's funny cause Dan's, you know, wise, he said, you know, Hey, you should probably stop there. That's a lot of reps that you did today. Mm-hmm. And I felt great. I felt fine. Mm-hmm. You know, next day, sure. Shit. <laughs> Fucking elbow was hurting, you know, knee got aggravated a little bit, you know, it's like, but in the moment, you know, it's like, I've been lifting forever. This is lightweight. This can't yeah. hurt me. You know, but it was something that I hadn't really been doing. Mm-hmm. So, so my first thought goes to a lot of the stabilizers. So mm-hmm. make sure you have 
a comprehensive adductor and abductor mm-hmm. sequence. Not just warm ups, but something that you do twice a week. Yeah. To work on those. I mean, the number of people that have had adductor strains yeah, in the past a couple of years. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when you get to like the 12 to 18 month mark Mm -hmm. because they start getting technique dialed in a little bit more. They start figuring things out and all of a sudden the weight starts going up. Yeah. And some of those muscles, they just, they haven't had a chance to really catch up. Yeah. Like you want to start building some of that strength before. I think also like you need to be a student in the game or you need to have a coach. Like, Oh yeah. I can't tell you how many lifters, um, even higher level lifters that are pretty strong. Don't know. Like, like basic warmups or, you know, if they do have an issue, like how to get blood flow to that area or, um, little correction things that most, you know, I thought most powerlifters knew. Um, <clears throat> and even like, you know, as a coach, you don't really know until those questions come up. Like I've had lifters that have worked with me and they've been a year in and then something comes up and I'm like, holy shit, this is like rudimentary. Like, Hey, do this. You know what I mean? Um, might be this warm up, this drill, this whatever, and I'm almost surprised they weren't they weren't doing it before. Mm-hmm. Now, like I don't prescribe everyone's warm ups and everyone's corrections and all that stuff. I feel like that's a it's a little played out because a lot of coaches are just copying and pasting, uh, and pretty much everyone's doing the same warm up and and there are general warm ups. Yeah. I get that, but like you know, it's not like <clears throat> they are geared exactly towards you now if an issue comes up and athlete says i have this problem then yeah then you gear it towards them tell them to do this um but i've seen a lot of programs now you know i coach a lot of people on nutrition i have them send programs Mm -hmm. so i've seen a lot of programs where it's amazing because these coaches like all have the same warm-ups plugged in and stuff so that tells me that someone out there's you know, they're taking it from program that they might got or someone got, mm-hmm. and then they're sent, you know, copy and pasting over to here and over to here. And I'm just like, yeah. So there's, I guess, or maybe it's just general warm ups that everyone does. I don't know. So, um, you know, and I think uh, a lot of things need to be built. You said stabilizers, things like that. But, um, you know, we also have to be doing things like split squats things like mm-hmm. um the uh, how do i say this more small muscle group development through deep ranges of motion mm-hmm. where i think a lot of people get stuck in like the compound lifts and that you'll see this a lot with sbd people they'll get stuck in the compound lifts go over and do some lat pull downs and you know something like that and call it a day and it's like no <laughs> You, know, you need to bring up your small muscle groups. You need to work on not only stabilizers, but you need to um, work on uh, the balance of everything too. That's why a lot of people do. I do a lot of single leg work mm-hmm. also for the same reason. You know, brings up not only stabilizers, but helps balance coordination, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to help refine technique later. So it's one of the things like Dan Bell and I have talked about it because I'm trying to come up with like an adductor protocol mm-hmm. for the weightlifters. And, you know, he has said, well, like the adductors and abductors, they get worked a lot when mm-hmm. you squat, when you do a jerk. Um, yeah. I was like, they do, but that doesn't necessarily give you the deep range of motion on some of those muscles 
uh, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, not isolation per se, but like a little bit more focused mm -hmm. that allows you to see and get feedback on, you know, do you have an asymmetry? Like when you do a split squat, it really helps identify like is one side off compared to the other. Yeah. Um, like whether the balance is off a little bit, the strength is off a little bit, something. Mm -hmm. And then that can be, you know, put into the accessories as far as like, hey, let's get this figured out. Let's get this corrected. And then that carries over to greater strength. Yeah. But if you're just, like you said, you're going through the compound main movements, sometimes those things, they don't pop up. They don't get mm -hmm. identified. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not the same as doing like, <clears throat> you know, you'll see people, uh, you'll do leg press or leg extensions all the time. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, you're, yes, you can maybe find like, if you do single legs on there, you mm -hmm. might be able to find a weaker leg or something. But it's, I, I really feel like those like single leg RDLs and, you know, split yeah. squats, things like that kind of identify those things a little bit better. So, um, this question there we go um so pulled this question from i actually have had this situation i'm glad you know this kind of got asked because i've had this situation come up a lot uh, not only with myself but like uh, with a lot of my lifters especially lately for some reason um basically the you know whole question was um that you get to the gym and you have to wait forever because you know there's not a lot of equipment available mm -hmm. um you know something is broke uh, for example, I had a lifter the other day, the safety pins in the one squat rack, there's only two squat racks in the whole gym. The safety pins on one are too high set. They're broken set there. Okay. Um, I forget what type of rack it is. One of those that where the safety pins just kind of move up and down on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that rack is broken. The safety pins are stuck high. So when she squats down, if she goes into her full range of squat, she's going to hit the safety pins and it's just going to screw her up. Right. Okay. Um, and you know, the other rack is taken up. So kind of screwed. Um, I've had some where like uh lifter went, this actually happened like two days ago. Lifter went to a different gym. I don't know if she's traveling or what, um, was not in town, uh, stopped in another gym. The bench was like, even at the lowest setting was too high for her to unrack. I don't know what kind of bench they had, but oh. yeah, something crazy like that. She's not like tiny at all. Um, well not, you know, she's still not like a, she doesn't, she doesn't have like excessively long arms and stuff, but she's not like five foot, right. you know, but anyway, um, and then there was something else with like there, there was something else I was screwed up there. And she just asked like, you know, should I stick on this day or should I switch it? Should I, what, what should I do kind of thing? Um, so basically what I always tell people is first priority. Can you modify something? You know, say you get to the gym and rack is stuck, you know, for example, um, like she had, I said, you have a couple options. One, find a new gym. <laughs> That's <laughs> option one. Um, but you know, you get there, you know, maybe you change it to, um, taking, uh, do, doing like box squats or something that are a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Um, you can cut your range of motion a little bit if you want, or she can go down and do, um, squats where it's dead stop on the pin 
in um, or uh, dead dead squats where the, it's on the pin. You just get under it and squat it up. Mm-hmm. Now they're set <clears throat> a little low for that, but she could do pin stops if she wanted to. Uh, where you go down, squat, basically, and stop on it. It's almost like a pause squat. Mm-hmm. And then you have to – it just basically kills all momentum. Yeah. And it's really rough. But, you know, there's there's little modifications she could have done like that. Um, or, you know, like I told her, like if you're waiting on that other squat rack and it's it ain't happening today, go switch to a bench day. Bench that day, squat the next day, and hope for a better day. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen too often. Uh, same with my my client that got stuck with the bench was off or you know whatever. I said so. Go ahead and move that day over. Like do what you can because you're at the gym anyway. Do some accessory work or whatever, or switch your days around. Can you deadlift there? You know whatever. Um, you know, and, and it kind of does depend what phase you're in and where you're at. But the point of it is make an informed decision on what to do to get mm-hmm. something done or move your day, shift your day. Mm-hmm. If you shift one day on a four day program, probably not going to kill you. You shift one day on a six day program. Okay. Now you're thrown off a little more yeah. shift three days. Okay. Now we're way off. You know, yeah. we need to get back on track, but you know, the whole thing is like you just have to make an informed decision at that point. What's going to be most beneficial today. Is it to switch the lift? Is it to modify the lift? Is it to do other things um, that you can do and just call it a day, mm-hmm. you know, or is it to leave and just switch the day completely? You know, that's, you have to make that decision as an athlete. The coach can't hold your hand through that. So, um, what would you say has been the most extreme example? Was it the safety pin or the bench? Uh, man, the extreme like ever. Yeah, I would say, I would say like, you know, when, when you're trying to squat and those safety pins are locked too high, Mm -hmm. that kind of, that's, and it's, and it's not that much higher. It's like a couple inches above where you would normally bottom, you know, so it's really not that, you know, if it was like just below parallel, the, like those dead squats would probably be a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but something like that, that kind of kills momentum whenever you're trying to get the athlete to squat. And the, and the problem is they don't have, um, so the cups, you know, Jacob, she can't move them outside of the rack either. You can't even switch what? Okay. Yeah, you can't even do that. Like mm-hmm. they're like locked into the rack. I'm like, <laughs> tell the tell them to get a new squat yeah. rack. <laughs> take, take up a fund in the gym and get a new squat rack. Walk around, ask people for money. Fuck, yeah. Um, so in a situation like that, Let's say that you can do the primary movement. Like, let's say yeah. she can do squats, but you've programmed um, some secondary work or like mm-hmm. the accessories, and they they can't do accessories mm. with what you have there. Um, would you encourage them to just like hit the primary movement and do what they can and throw some other accessories in? Or yeah, throw throw accessories in. Uh, mo- well, uh, modify accessories. You know, however they need to. So. You go to some places, they might not have like a leg press and you're supposed to leg press. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do, do more squats at a lighter weight okay. or, you know, you could, if they have extension curl machines, you can mix those up. Um, 
you know, if they have a Smith machine, you could always do, um, I forget what they're called, but you lay down and like press the bar up okay, almost yeah. like an, uh, inverted hack. Um, you know, if they don't have a leg press, I have a hack squat then hack squat, you know, there's yeah. all kinds of different things you can do. Um, but if you flip that and they can't do the primary, but they mm-hmm. could do like the secondary or accessory, would you encourage them more to probably switch the day? Yeah. I mean, I, I always want them to get their main work in because it's kind of in priority. Mm-hmm. So like obviously your main work and your secondary movements and stuff are priority. And then your accessories, accessories are still don't, I don't want people to think I'm saying slack on your accessories, right. but still priority. But if you miss uh, an accessory or two, probably not going to kill you. Um, you could always try to do something else or just call, Hey, okay, whatever. Got most of the work in. We're, we're good for today. Mm-hmm. Um, some things like I might program like, um, a football bar or something like that, or some kind of neutral grip bar and they don't have that. Then you can just take dumbbells and you do like a dumbbell mid chest press. I call it Okay. where they're, they're in a neutral grip position and you just press the dumbbells, you know? So, um, but there's the emphasis is always on that primary movement. Yeah. For the day. Yeah. So you, you always want to work. You know, I always tell people when I send them the program in, in the very beginning, I say them it works in order of importance pretty much mm-hmm. in a in a sense. That doesn't mean skip the last thing on the program. It just means like if you were going to leave anything out, you know, that cable tricep extension or something is right. probably it, you know. Or maybe your back's flared up and can't do your back extensions at the end of the day or something, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's, you just have to be smart basically and just make a, make a decision. You know, um, mm-hmm. I've had athletes that will message me that and it's like, I might, I'm probably not going to see that like for a few hours and you're in the right. gym, find something to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I do feel bad for those people that go to gym zone. It's like, you got maybe a bench or two and you got two racks and it's like someone's on it. And a lot of times what it is too, and, and this sucks is like, a lot of times it's females that need the equipment and it's some guy on there fucking around, you know, benching 135 and taking forever. I always tell them, well, work in with them and, you know, they don't want to work in with them. Yeah. yeah. That's, I always say, like, ask to work in. They're like, well, you know, it's like a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or some people are afraid, like, if someone's benching 315, they won't come down and unrack it to like 185, you know. No, that most people will. Most people let you work in if you ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but I understand some of the females. They like, especially if they don't know a guy, they don't really want to go work out with them because they don't want to deal with all that shit. If the guy starts being weird or something, yeah, which makes sense. So I get it. Um, same as like, I wouldn't walk up to some girl that's benching on the bench and be like, "Hey, can I work in with you?" And she's got ninety five pounds on the bar. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'll just wait. Yeah. So. Um, and you can always do like, think of what you have to work on. Like maybe you could be doing, um, a little bit more prehab rehab at that time, you know, work or prehab work, as you say, warm ups. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of get ready for the day, but you know, there's, there's always something, like I said, or, um, let's say the bench isn't open yet. Let's say you squat and bench in the same day. Mm -hmm. Bench is an open squat racks open squat first. You know, you don't, you can bench after you squat, (laughs) like simple stuff. So, um, Last question we had was about cutting, uh, like when to cut for meat. So this is kind of a controversial thing in a way, um, sort of, is 
a lot of people you're seeing say, oh, you should be at weight, like whatever, 10, 12, 14 weeks out. You shouldn't be cutting during your prep and all that. Yes and no. All right. So let me tell you, if you're an elite, international elite, like top, whatever, 20, 30 athlete in the country, um, you're probably, especially if you're fighting for top spots or you're trying to get to a uh, invite meet, you're probably cutting weight to make it. Uh, most most elite lifters now are at the or top ten lifters are cutting weight to make the weight class to be top ten in that weight class. It's just how it is. It's how the sport is. Um, it's how it's became. Yeah. So it varies. If if you're in year one of powerlifting, um, I've made that mistake. You probably you probably don't need to cut. You know, get stronger. Just lift at the weight class you're in. You're not going to be probably competitive anyway. So don't worry about being more competitive. Um, you know, like I did the same thing my first year in powerlifting, but I was all, like powerlifting. Um, the totals weren't as insane back then. So yeah, year one, I think I had like a, I think my, like my, for deadlift, I was in the top 40 in the world at that point, you know, and like my total wasn't that far out of the top 50, you know, um, I think year or two, I cracked top 50. So, you know, it's, it, but the times have changed. Like, unless you're coming in as a freak of nature, you're probably not going to be overly competitive at that weight class that you're trying to cut to. Um, so anyway, back to the original point, you can cut slowly. You, what you don't want to do is it's 10 weeks out. You have 15 pounds to lose and you start trying to drop two, three pounds a week Mm. during that time to get there. Um, that will take a little bit out of you. It also depends if you're on gear or not, if you're taking drugs or not. That's mm-hmm. that's a different ball game. The other thing behind it is, yes, like if you do a severe cut at the end, it's another thing to worry about. It's another thing to stress about. It's another thing to um, take performance out if it's too insane of a cut. Mm-hmm. But if you're three, four pounds over one week out, it's, it's you know, unless you're in a low, low weight class, it's not going to kill you. Um you know, you typically you're going to lose a little bit just from not working out anyway. Some water's going to flush out of those muscles a little bit. So you're mm-hmm. going to lose a little bit there. Um, you diet a little bit more, a little bit more water comes out. And then, you know, maybe the last, uh, whatever, 24 hours before weigh-ins, you're not eating as much or something, or you hit the sauna for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not going to destroy you. Um, but if you're... You know, at a, especially at the lower levels, like if you're a week out, you got to cut 15 pounds and you know you're going to be dying in the sauna uh-huh. and everything else. Hey, I've been there and it's, um, I felt like I, I felt like I bounced back pretty well every time. I still always platform PR'd. Um, could I have had more at the meet? Probably. Who knows? We don't know that. You mm-hmm. know, it's hard to say. Um, but I've, pretty much always bounce back pretty well from a cut. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time I didn't, I think it was, I was holding too much training fatigue. So I don't think it was from the cut cause the cut was very, very easy. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like eight pounds or something, uh, from two twenty eight to two twenty to make two twenty class. So, okay. and I weighed in, I think at like two nineteen point, whatever the hell. So, um, 
when you, you look know, at that 24, not to cut you off, but the 24 yeah. hour cut, like just doing like the sauna mm-hmm. and you've talked before about doing, um, like the bath prior to cut, what's a weight range that you feel comfortable with that you've kind of figured out for yourself? Like if I'm dropping, yeah. um, if I'm going to, I would probably take it back to beginning of week, you know, beginning a week, like 15 to 20 pounds, I can get out. If I manipulate my water, cut down my food, mm-hmm. you know, go through that process and then go through the actual drying dehydration. Yeah. Um, you know, typically 24 hours out. If I'm, if I was up seven, eight pounds, I'm making weight. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's not overly difficult. Um, sucks a little bit, but I knew I would make it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just depends from athlete to athlete. I like most of them to only be within a few pounds by the time we get to a week out. Um, I don't, uh, if I've worked with them a lot, then sure. Like I have a couple athletes right now that are coming up on meets here 10 weeks and I think the other's about 12 weeks out. They're females and um, one is, you know, top five in the world lifter and the other one um, is a fairly elite lifter. And, you know, one is nine pounds off weigh in weight. So we're going to target to hopefully lose. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to lose about a half pound a week okay. to get them, uh, to be about four pounds over a week out, five pounds over at most. Mm-hmm. So that way then we can take that, uh, water, manipulate it, food decrease, you know, and if we have to salt bath it out, yeah. it, I've never had someone miss weight. And I explained that to a lifter. Um, she's got to lose nine, nine pounds by middle of October. And I told her, I'm like, that's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like she's, she's, you know, pretty strong still. Um, she's not in the upper ranks or anything. And I, I told her like, now mind you, like her nine pounds, she's, she fluctuated. So she actually jumped like three pounds cause she, went off her macros, went out and ate and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. she gained three pounds over two weeks. I told her that's going to drop off quick. So realistically we got to drop about six, you know, mm-hmm. I said, you put yourself in a little bit of a hole. We got to mess with that, but we need about six pounds off, you know, middle of October. That's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, I've never had an athlete for any sport, uh, miss weight ever. So not going to fucking start now. And that's, that's whether it's Olympic weigh-ins, two hour weigh you know, two hour weigh-in, uh, anything never had someone miss weight. So, um, but yeah, the whole thing of like, I get why people say it and they're putting it out there. Um, you know, don't cut during preps and all that. And it's the worst time and all that. Well, sure. Yeah. Cause you're just adding more stress to the body. Right. We all get that. But it comes with the territory, especially for these people. Like, you know, Kara went out. She posted a top. Uh, at the time, it was number five in the world for um, for her weight class and sleeves. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and she posted that total by dropping uh, about 12 pounds through her, her prep phase. So, you know, when you want to hit those ranks at, the, you know, at that level, 
Was it any different with but, her? Because, but let me oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Yeah. To to get back to that point now, she's only two pounds above that same weigh in weight, and she's got to meet at the end of the year. So now we're here. Now we're training at that weight. Mm-hmm. She's training at weight now. So there was a point to it. So not only did she get her top five, we didn't rebound back up 15 pounds. We maintained. Yeah. And our food's actually going up too. So she's eating. Um, she'll be one that hits, hits about 400 carbs a day and maintains just a couple pounds over that weigh and weight that we had to cut down to before. So was it any different with her? I won't say easier necessarily, but different with the weight loss because she hadn't been doing like the macro counting and you were able to dial a lot of things in. Mm-hmm. She'd been, she'd been tracking for a better self. She lost some initial, um, some initial weight herself. Um, you know, kind of got it going a little bit mm-hmm. and then we dialed that shit in and she stuck to it. And, you know, I can remember her worrying like a little bit like, Oh, I'm still like 10 pounds over. Are you sure I'm going to make it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, watch what happens. And like that, she had a, great water drop off um with the manipulation for um for meat week mm-hmm. i think she went from like i'd have to look but i think she went from like 203 to her lowest was like 195 or 196 she peed out that much yeah. water <laughs> and um so she she now i know that kind of for the future like okay she retains now she's not going to retain as much probably this time. Mm-hmm. She's building a little bit more muscle mass at that weight. Um, you know, but we'll see. But now I know she can retain and drop. Yeah. You know, and you kind of learn people's bodies. It's cool. So The thing that I've watched, and not that this is directly related to what people are saying, but is when people have done cuts that they've decided to do themselves and they try to go through the prep period uh, at the way that they want to do, you see leverages really start to change. And I noticed that with it often comes a lot of like dehydration because they do initially lose quite a bit of water. Yeah. And then you start to see these little strains start to happen as they're going through. Mm-hmm. What I liked about Kara's situation when she was working with you is yes, she got the macros really dialed in. She has someone taking a look at that. Mm-hmm. But as body weight dropped, you were there to make sure the technique yeah. didn't get messed up because suddenly her position going into a deadlift uh, position when she started mm. wasn't off. You know, the depths that you now get as you're going through a squat when suddenly yeah. you lose weight and things open up more, that doesn't start yeah. to throw things off. Yeah. Um, and you count, you counteract that one by programming. Um, mm-hmm. So she had a lot of like, uh, she had tempo squats, things like that in there, pause squats. So she had to remain under tension. She had to find it, you mm-hmm. know, um, the cut the the macros go slow again, same as bulking. You don't drop a thousand calories off right away. Right. Um, you know, Chloe, who's again, whatever top five in the world right now. Um, we're, we're literally taking, you know, 10 carbs out a week, you know, Just in, in incremental 10 carbs, a couple fats, you know, protein gets adjusted a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we might pull, you know, just just to tad out 150 200 calories a week will bring up that output a little mm-hmm. she's one that i feel like is going to just what i've noticed through her um what she does through training what happens during deload she's an inflammation holder 
So I know oh, okay. this. I know she holds water from inflammation. I know she's going to retain that a bit. I've seen it. I've mm-hmm. seen the fluctuations. You know, this is the shit that your nutrition coach should be dialed <laughs> in on, you know, and you start to understand that body a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And um, like one time um, during a week, I think we, I forget what week we did it. And I had her, it wasn't a training week. I believe it was a deload week, but I already kind of seen some things. What I had her do is like, I had her drop sodium, uh, decrease it significantly over two day period and see what the weigh in was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I can see kind of how her body reacts to sodium, stuff like that. You know, so again, if you're going to hire someone to help you with cuts and help you with making weight for meats, if you're going to have a coach like, yes, now you're, you're not going to get changes from me every single week. A lot of times, you know, you're going to stay the same. It's going to be what it is, but that's the type of shit that we're monitoring that we're seeing so people can make weight. So I know what's going to happen with their body later, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, anyway, yeah, that's pretty much all I got on that for right now. So, um, any announcements? We got our first first meet down in Kentucky, Rupp Arena, in like two weeks. So go us. We were finally here on the August twenty first. We will probably fuck up. <laughs> we will probably screw up. That is the it's announcement. Gonna a, it's gonna be a learning process. So um you know, doesn't matter how many meets me and Jordan have done combined, um, you know, how many meets we've helped with and how many meets we've spotted loaded. We've never been meat directors. You know what I mean? This is the first crack, so we'll probably fuck it up. So we're gonna do the best we can. Trying to get trying to get everything together. People don't realize there's a lot of behind the scenes work to putting meats together. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta like right you know, it's the rep arena, it's bare bones. So we uh just had to order and go pick up more stall mats so we could bring those in so we can set our equipment on it. You know what I mean? It's little things like that that like you know, if we're at a normal venue, we don't need to take that shit. Right. You know, so, you know, it's little, little logistical things, you know, the metals and things you have to make sure that these people can even get them in and stuff like that. You know, it's, yep. you know, that's, that's the one thing is like trying to do this during all the supply chain issues too. Shit. You know, we just got our monos and benches a few weeks ago. When did you order those originally? Uh, April. <laughs> Good Lord. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Luckily those, luckily those came in, <laughs> you know, uh, we just got our bars like a week or two ago. Cause they were coming from, uh, I forget where he orders them from overseas mm-hmm. manufacturing. I'm pretty sure part of it. It's not, there's something I forget okay. what it was. I, say I, remember seeing a I don't want, I don't want to say this guy like is overseas and he's not an American company and <laughs> we get shit on. Um, I don't know. There was something with ordering parts and, Again, supply chain issue. It mm-hmm. all comes back to that. Um, and it took time for everything to get there. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, yeah, we got that. Uh, our throwdown meet, I, th- I think about 15 spots left. Get signed up for that. That's August or October 16th uh, down in Winchester, Kentucky. And uh, that one's filling up pretty quick. If you're interested in like the fall brawl, um, you know, Kentucky Open, you're you're not getting into um but like the fall brawl keep putting names in because we have had some dropouts and i've went 
you know, already down the wait list, a couple okay. names. So if, if you're interested in the fall brawl, you know, you never know, we might have more people drop out and we'll just, we just work down the list. So it's first come first serve. So, mm-hmm. um, if you're a member or you're in the area, we have a meet here on October 3rd. We're going to need spotters, loaders help. So please help. Please help us. <laughs> it's like the, it's the most stressful thing. Is it's getting help. Fu- it's, yep. More stressful than running any meet is finding spotters and loaders. Mm-hmm. You know, especially young people that you need to give back to the community. My fucking 30, whatever year old ass has been doing it the past couple of years. You know, gym owner, fucking 30 year old up there spot and load and you, fucking 22 year olds can do it so for a couple hours yeah it's literally well if you do yeah that's the thing we ask people like try to do one or two flights holy shit an hour and a half out of your day mm-hmm. you know just fucking do it you get paid for it you say do they have to pay to watch afterward or beforehand no, no it's, so it's free to it's free like, to come in right. it's you know you get paid to do it mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll even feed people like mm-hmm. just do it you know, get paid to watch some of the strongest I mean, people the one, in the country. The one guy from the club, I think he did like the whole day last year. He ended up, you know, I forget what he got paid, $160 cash that day. Mm-hmm. Plus then he, uh, like I, I was just like, man, you worked your ass off. So I gave him another $40 off on his disc, on his membership, made 200 bucks mm-hmm. basically for the day just to help spot and load. So, yeah, we understand. I've been there. It sucks. So it can. Yeah. I try to compensate the best I can. But all right, yeah, we're out of here. So thank have, you for listening. Have a good one.